It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. That's our new jingle, because I keep doing that. Oh, it's a beautiful jingle. Thank you. It's funny, because I made us a jingle that we use every episode, but then you're like, no, I gotta sing, too. Um, so we have two jingles, apparently. Well, okay, let's, let's go back. Let's do that one, then. This is Opinions Are Cheap with... No, wait, that's a... I just heard it. This is Opinions Are Cheap with Chad and Cameron and our friend Chris. Oh. Does that work? I didn't know you wrote me into the entire jingle for your entire podcast. That's so nice. Those were the Nailed silent words the Thanks, whole time. Chad. How, how are you guys doing? You know, it reminds me. I countered it with my own question of how are you doing. Oh, no way. I talk over you because Hold I don't on. respect let me, you. Let me, uh, let me intermediate here. I'm going to be the mediator. Okay. All right. Uh, since Cameron's name does come first in the alphabet, please, Chad, um, ask your question to Cameron. Cameron, how the fuck are you, you piece of shit? I, okay, I took off work early today, because there's, like, there's nothing to do, so it's like, I'm gonna take a half day, and I'm gonna be productive at home. And productive at home turned into a three-hour nap somehow. That is productive. So Sounds awesome. I just woke up, and it's great to see you guys. Hell yeah. Awesome. Now, Cameron, Cameron, please, ask Chad the same question. Okay, Chad. Mm-hmm. That's all. Oh, well, that that, <laughs> that works. That is me. Did you have anything interesting happen to you today? No, it was one of those days where I spent most of it in meetings, which was fine. Um, I accomplished some things, and then tomorrow's probably going to be kind of busy. That's okay, because Friday usually drags if it's not, so can't complain. That's true. How about Chris? Did you have a good Thursday? I keep forgetting that it's Thursday. Honestly, being unemployed, quote unquote, unemployed, uh, at least not working with like a de- dead set schedule, is very easy to just lose track of the day. But uh, yesterday I got uh, approached by my cousin. I live with my cousin, so it's not like a weird thing for him to approach me. And he's like, hey, <laughs> uh, tomorrow I need help. I need help. Um, he runs, he runs, he's the head chef of a catering company. And so he's like, I need help. Uh, I'm going to give you 150 bucks if you just come in and like serve food. That's all I need you to do. And so I said, oh, oh okay, sure. What time do you need me? He was like, well, whenever you, whenever you're available. I was like, okay, okay. I'll be there in, um, early. I'll be there at like 11. He's like, no, I need this morning. He was like, no, I need you. But in between last night and this morning, I had a really bad um, bout of amne- uh, amnesia, insomnia. Uh, I couldn't sleep. So I got like three hours of sleep last night. I woke up this morning. I'm feeling really refreshed because three hours of sleep when you have insomnia is way more sleep than you need. So I I woke up, I like drove 30 miles down to his, his company, his catering business uh served food for six hours uh he told me to go early so i got there at like 10 served food for like six hours and i had to drive back in in rush hour traffic and i'm tired but i'm i'm feeling good i had a fun day that sounds kind of cool. got a lot of food a lot of leftover food nice got paid in ribs. money and in food bunch Ooh. of ribs yes yeah that's a good you day really cannot beat that Really freeze your, you, freeze you up to use the money for other things like bills and, uh, other food. Bills and more food. Yay. And booze, if you're me. 
<laughs> yeah, booze is pretty good. Yeah, I use booze. I, I would I do booze a lot. So I just I just realized Chris is here. Yeah, we introduced him and everything. You were there. Yeah. Yeah. So that we normally have a guest when it's a special episode with a very special topic, right? Normally. Last time it, last time you guys last time we talked about music. Well, this time did we want to do, we're gonna Did talk, we want to do that again? No, we're going to talk about uh, video <laughs> games because I I brought Chris on to be our expert. I don't know, Chad, did you Kay. follow the news today? No, what happened on the news today? They announced uh, Overwatch is going to be 5v5 now instead of 6v6. You know, it's funny because you just said that and you're like, it's 5v5 now. And I was like, wasn't it always? And then it's like, no, I guess it wasn't always. I haven't played Overwatch in so long, Cameron. So we're going to spend this hour dissecting the update. I thought Um, we were going to talk about literally anything else. (laughs) Okay, we can do that. Are they taking... Wait, no, I, I want to cover this real quick, like, just a split second. Are they taking out a tank, or are they taking out a healer? They're ta- or are they taking out a DPS? <laughs> They're taking out a tank. It's still structured, so you have one tank, two DPS, two healers. Now, what's funny is, like, I checked on Twitter, and one of the top trending things was the trending topic of two DPS, also trending with one tank. <laughs> That Which I think sums because... up the conversation a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the tanks I like to play are like off tanks. Like you have the main tank and then you have Zarya who can do a shitload of damage and tank. And it's like she's not really a good solo tank unless they're going to rebalance some stuff. I I feel like that would just make me not want to play a tank anymore. I don't know yet. I mean, I'm not I mean, I'm not sure why you guys still want to play. Oh, I don't. Overwatch That's the thing. In general, but I don't miss that game at all. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of writing lately. Oh, yay. Um Yeah, so uh this has become my uh side hustle, I guess. Not yet a side hustle because I haven't really made money off of it. Uh but do you happen to know what a visual novel is? The question is is in the air for for all present. I do. I have this vague idea that it's like a it's like a game you play, but it's mostly reading text, and I think there's fucking involved. Uh, most typically, there is fucking involved. In fact, I would say ninety to ninety five percent of the time, there is fucking involved. Um, Nailed so it. yeah, visual novel is an interactive form of fiction. I hate calling it a video game. I hate calling video, visual novels video games unless there's is an exceptional uh, visual novel that has another gameplay element like Persona. Or, um, yeah, that's all I can think of. Uh, so visual novel is this interactive form of media. It's mostly just a novel with visual asset aspects to it, which usually come in the form of cute anime girls that you wish to see the titties of. Is this basically like um, night light novels, but and you then can get also, them on Steam? Yeah. Yeah, one of the most popular visual novels of all time that really kind of blew the visual novel um, genre into general public's eye was a visual novel called Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, so that one is a very, very famous one. It has... uh, 
it has several anime girls, very cutesy anime girls. And when you start reading the visual novel, you think, oh, I'm going to like romance one of these three girls and it's going to be nice because that's typically the formula of every visual novel. They'll set up a premise, which is usually uh, like senior year of high school or just starting college or something like that, some school setting, because most of the people who write visual novels are, are young, young little young people who don't have any other experience in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this premise usually school and they'll introduce like three to five to eight characters, depending on how uh, big the visual novel is. And you'll select a character and you'll romance them. And, uh, you know, you'll get to learn their personality and fall in love with these fake 2d girls. And then eventually you get to see their boobies. Uh, (laughs) That's the formula for like, like, I said 90 to 90 95% of visual novels. Doki Doki Literature Club uh, specifically turns that formula upside down on its head. And uh, I don't know if you want spoilers or not, but um, this is a pretty common known fact about the game. And there's a lot more uh, coming later. So if you, if you haven't played Doki Doki Literature Club and you're listening to this here uh, and you want to play it without spoilers, uh, stop listening to this podcast. Um, I would say do that regardless, but, uh, but only after you visit dollar shave club with code Cameron for an extra shave. Why code Cameron? Like, wouldn't it be Chad doesn't grow a beard. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Feel called so, out. so Doki Doki literature club has <laughs> this setup, this initial setup of this high school, uh, romance thing going on and you're the main you, you know, you, you, you're trying, your main job is to like romance these characters, but you realize there's like these like, these like tensions and these girls kind of bully each other. And the big reveal or the big thing that happens is one of the, one of the girls hangs herself and you walk in on her corpse hanging. And it's, it's like suddenly the game starts glitching out. Uh, you get back into the game and it's like start over. You start a new game, but like this time, everything's all fucked up and the girl that hung herself, it's the same story that you played through, but that, that girl that hung herself is not, you know, I haven't really played the game, so I'm, so I'm making shit up, but the girl's not in it and there's like a whole bunch of glitches and stuff. Really good, really good game. So I hear, I still haven't played it, but it really, uh, shot this visual novel genre out into the general, public eye and one of the bigger uh visual novel games out there you've heard of the colonel sanders uh dating dating sim uh i hope you have yes Um, i have there's there's it's funny you're like one of the other big ones and i was thinking oh it'll be some game that isn't stupid and it's like oh no no no, never mind colonel sanders dating sim yeah (laughs) we're, we're we're this territory now let's let's keep going (laughs) <laughs> then there's then there's the there's there's one called Dream Daddy which was pretty popular. I think it was Game Grumps that made it. That's right. Uh there there there're quite a number of visual novels that got insanely popular for for what the genre is, which is really a niche Japanese form of media. It's it kind of 
was big in Japan and then moved over. A lot of gacha games that that are out right now are are essentially visual novels with like puzzle game elements. I don't really care about all that stuff. So this this was this my whole monologue there was pointless. It was absolutely useless to what I do want to talk about, which is a very specific specific niche it, within this niche, which is uh gay furry visual novels. See, now this is why we have you on. You hear that, Chad? We talk about go. gay furry stuff more than zero on this show. I don't know what the actual number more is. More than zero is probably too much. I don't know. But it's respectful. Our good it's old respectable. friend E621, when we don't know what to talk about. You know, E621's always got, always got you back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I... I, I so I want to talk about this... Yes, yes, please go on. I wish yeah, to hear about I, your gay I know, porn, I know, it's interesting novel, as hell. Visual novel, light novel, whatever. There they're is, the same thing. There is... <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a little different, but... Interactive fiction. So, gay furry visual novels. There was an old furry visual novel that um, that kind of started everything off. And it is called... It's a Japanese... Uh, visual novel and it was translated by some very dedicated fans in the west uh and it was never completed uh a lot of the routes were completed but it was the the game itself has ne- was never completed it was dropped because there was a lot of uh drama going on in it but it is called Morenatsu Morenatsu and the the general premise of the game, I want, I want, I want to just like talk about all the, hi- the history of furry vision novels here. The general premise of the game is you're this character, uh, you're this human character who is, who grew up in a small village out in the middle of nowhere in Japan. And then you, for college, you move to the, the big city, Tokyo or whatever. I don't, I don't really, know what the city i don't really remember what the city was but it's summer vacation so you go back to this small town and it's been some time and you you're you're you catch up with old friends and you got this you got this big bear uh you got bear character you got this uh purple cat you have a green dragon character you have uh this rock star uh wolf character um, this Tanuki that's uh, a photographer, and then like the main character that everyone loves is this tiger, that's uh, uh this buff uh tiger that's like the best friend. Um, the game was never completed, and one of the big upsets was that the the main the main character, well, arguably this this tiger character name. Uh, Torahiko, his route was the one that was never completed. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, there have, uh, jumping ahead a few years, there have been, uh, dozens, dozens of Morinatsu clones and attempts to fix the game and attempts to rewrite the game to make a specifically a Torahiko route and to other, finish an otherwise uh, broken game. And there, I, I'm not an expert. I do know several experts on this game, 
but there is a, it's very Japanese in that they they address kinks or not kinks rather they address topics subjects because it's I, I wouldn't say they're kinks they address subjects in usually a humorous or a shocking way that we in America would never think to do ever um one of there there uh, there is a character in the game that is very obviously uh, a shoe-in for a, a kid that Uh-oh. is a romanceable option. Yeah, there is um, there is a character the there this purple cat character where one of the there's a whole bunch of joke endings that are 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 not supposed to be taken seriously. Like like the green dragon character turns out to be a, a cyborg from the future who wants to destroy the timeline and and uh, everything. <laughs> I kind of like when there's like a sense of humor allowed to like enter something like that. The game is absolutely wild. There's, there's a side character that turns into a monstrous uh, like Godzilla-like creature who, who terrorizes the, the small village. There's, uh, there's a bunch of different, like, side characters who you're not supposed to, like, romance or, or get to know, but they, they become, like, the, the, the character that, like, the, like, there's one, there's one character that actually, like, kidnaps you if you, if you do the wrong option. He kidnaps you and, and bad things happen. Um, there, some of the main characters go through some really horrible shit some real horrible shit because of, because of options you make uh leading to very bad ends uh the purple cat uh gets gets raped by the main character if you choose the wrong options Holy there's shit, this that bear takes character that was i had to be ex- yes yes um there's a bear character in this game called juichi and i actually didn't know about this ending because i've never actually played uh the juichi route or anything uh, the, this bear character, he, he, he starts off, it's very like, oh, um, like when you say, oh, I like you, Juichi, in the game, uh, he responds, no, you don't. It's just a phase. Uh, w- you know, you'll grow up and you'll grow out of it. Uh, you have the option to like, you, you say, oh, well, can I at least have a hug? Uh, you have the option to, uh, choose to give him a hug or say, okay, we'll move on. And if you choose to give him a hug, you have the option to, uh, move your hands down his back, uh, uh essentially, uh, groping him. And when he tells you to stop, you have the option to continue going or to stop. Uh, obviously they've given you three outs at this point. If you continue going at this point, uh, one of the most horrid things in a visual novel. Um, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I take that back. Yeah. One, one of, one, of, a very horrifying thing happens. <laughs> uh, your, your character, the main character. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say it's the most horrid thing because this is also non-canon. This is a bad ending. This is, this is, like not what you're what's supposed to happen uh but the main character get, kidnaps this bear essentially he starts groping fondling and stuff like that and the bear's like this he's like this soft 
boy, he doesn't really, he, like, he, he, he can fight and he can do stuff, but he doesn't do anything. Uh, he's, he's, like, too, like, scared of his own power and stuff like that. So you take advantage of him. Uh, you end up kidnapping this bear. You take him to the city and you, you tie him up in a basement and you, essentially, your main character rapes him for the rest of time. Well, not the rest of the time. He'll eventually die. Anyway, that's one of the yeah, yeah. Until until one of the other dies. Uh, anyway, that's one of the lovely little things about Morinatsu. Um, otherwise, it is a very it is very inspiring for uh, furry visual novel creators. It has been uh, like outside of the very bad stuff that I've highlighted. I think those things are interesting enough, and it's enough to scare away the normies. Uh, outside of that, there are some very positive time moments in the game and it's very lighthearted typically and and you know you, you these characters have like emotional conflicts and shit anyway no don't really care but like the bad stuff happens outside of the canon story like you could choose to do the bad stuff outside of that uh i want to talk about the next big visual novel that came out of japan that was furry wait, wait i thought we were going to talk uh, about the one called you did lagoon no, we're getting to that. That's that's way. This is history. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I, I guess we could talk. We could talk about the one I did. You want to just talk about the one I did? I love the history of furry visual novels. I I really do. Like, but we I'm can talk sure, about what I did. I'm sure there's like a lot of it, but I, I'm more interested to know about yours. What you do? What well, I guess what you do okay. differently? How you've right, marketed well, it? Like I I I'm really interested. Um. So all right, there's a lot to that um marketed i don't know if i marketed it very well but i did try and market okay Um, let's pull this back so i made you want to do this because okay you're clearly interested in the genre i I don't know how like affiliated you are with the furry fandom or if you're just kind of like casually curious with it uh because there's lots of there's different ways to be involved in the fandom right so i don't know if that's a place to start yeah um okay so before before this uh I was not affiliated with the furry fandom. Like it's passively interesting to me and the furry visual novels is what really got me interested in like generally looking into this stuff. Um, I, I started reading my buddy, uh, is, is whose name is Max bear. He draws a lot of furry, uh, cartoons and furry porn, some very degenerate, stuff but he got me into this game called extracurricular activities which is a very hard word for me to say so i'll refer to it from here on as exec uh so exec <laughs> was is i should say uh it's because it's still being uh written and developed what one of the biggest current modern furry visual novels and uh I, there's no explain, there's no explaining just how wild some of the art was. Like, just imagine grapefruits in various places on it, on the male anatomy and then call it, uh, call it a day. Uh, but I read it and I was so, like, taken aback by how weirded out the whole thing, weird the whole thing was. The, I felt the story was, was poor. I felt the art was, very, very hard to get into just by it from a normal person's perspective. I felt that the, the music was god awful. It still is. Um, uh, 
I felt like everything about it, the presentation, all of it was just offsetting to me. And then, and then I looked at their Patreon and at the time they were making about $2,000 a month. You were like, fuck, I got to get me in on that. At the moment, like, yeah. So at the moment they have 2000 patrons who are supporting with at least $3 a month. Uh, a lot of them are likely supporting at 5 to 10 to $20 a month. They're making a lot of money. Um, now, that's not to say that's why I got into uh, visual novel making entirely. I just thought the story was really poor. And I thought if someone's able to get successful off a really bad story, then I should be able to get successful off of a rather decent story or like even a bare bones like like passable like this is passable uh writing so i mean that was the start of it and that happened like four four years ago maybe three maybe four maybe five years ago it's it's 2021 right yeah 17 four years ago uh i read or read about it so i i started working my own visual novel um called the potion stop and it was going to be like this basic romance visual novel where where you, you date a bunch of different D&D characters. Like there's an orc, a goblin, a dwarf, uh, and, and, and a half elf and a human. And so that, that was going to be like the, the thing. And, it, and I, I wasn't approaching the furry fandom with it. So it wasn't really in my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I tried to learn how to draw about a year ago because the pandemic, started and I had nothing, had nothing better to do. Might as well try and learn a new, uh, skill. Of course, it turns out that my schedule changed absolutely zero during the pandemic stuff. I still worked and did everything I did normally. Um, but I, uh, I'd sat down. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to draw. So I tried to learn how to draw and I was drawing this basic comic and my art was really poor. Uh, and when I tried to draw characters, I was just like, I don't know if I'll be able to differentiate a human character from another human character. Like the, the faces, I'm just going to, it's just going to all look like the same character. The only way to tell would be like different hair color. So I was like, well, if I give them like floppy ears or make them like an, make them like animals, like furries, Mm -hmm. I can differentiate the character without having to put in effort into learning how to draw different faces. So I did that and, uh, I made three characters, which was a human, a cat, and a dog, about as simple as you could possibly make it. And I learned how to draw that, and I drew two comic pages, because I thought, oh, I'm going to draw, I'm going to just make a comic. Like, that's going to force me to draw. I drew two comic pages, uh, thought they were shit, redrew them, uh, thought they were shit, and then just gave up drawing altogether. A wise decision. Then, uh, I went back. Yes, yes, it was it was probably the best decision I could have made. <laughs> then I went back to, um, then I went back to working on the the potion stop. I, you know, I'd written a lot about it and I'd planned a lot about these characters and the future and stuff like that because I do think there's potential for very good stories to be made in vo- visual novels that people don't really um, know about or appreciate. And you know, we 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 know the Lord of the Rings. We know we know the uh, the. Star Wars and the, those big stories, but like those, there, there's like, there's some really, really good stories and really good, uh, personalities and characters that you, you learn and you meet in visual novels. And I'm really supportive of the genre as a whole. And so this March, 
two months ago. Uh, well, it was February. February, I quit my job. Best okay. decision I made in my life. Uh, instantly, the second I quit my job, it was like the next day. My sleep schedule fixed itself. <laughs> my mood went up. I had like better circulation. I was, I was happier. Like there was, it's, it, honestly, if you're, if you're, if you have a bad job, quit it. Like literally quit it. Even if you starve for like a month, quit your job. Um, but if you like your job, keep it. I don't care. Hey, Richard. (laughs) Richard, this is a wake up call. I know you're listening. Yeah, Richard, (laughs) you piece of shit. Come back on the show, Richard. We miss you. God damn it, Richard. Richard, quit your job and come to the show. Come on the show. We um, won't pay okay, you, Richard. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not being paid. Wait, do you, do you guys normally pay your guests? Like, am I missing out on something? Yes. You're being paid in exposure. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exposure. Going back to your marketing. There we go. So, in February, I quit my job. And, like, late Mid to late February, I found out about this uh, game jam. And if you don't know what game jams are, it's essentially um, do make a game within a certain amount of time and from start to finish, just make it and complete it. And if you complete it, then you did it. And then usually there's a competition involved. Like judges will be like, this is the best game made within three days with a shoestring budget. Um, but... It was a game jam for visual novels that takes place in the month of March. So from the month of March, start to finish, uh, you can't, you can't work on it any other time. It's just March and you have to finish it by the end of March. Start March, finish March. So I was like, well, uh, the potion stop's not going to be finished within March. It's just not going to be done. So, and also, I started working on it before March, so uh, it would be disqualified. And though technically, who's gonna who's gonna really know? Uh, I as would know. And it's, done, it's 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 as someone who's done game jams with my brother, we've definitely done a little bit of cheating, where you come in with like a half baked engine or like a few things done in Game Maker, just so you don't have to spend six hours creating a thing to make to create a thing right like i i think that happens more often than probably people realize you're you're probably right you're probably right i could have done probably gotten away with a little bit of cheating myself but i didn't cheat i started writing the script march 1st uh at midnight i wrote uh i wrote the full thing in three days then i rewrote the whole thing in three more days and by the Halfway point of March, I was completely done with the script. It was, it was roughly 10,000 words. And so I convinced my friend Max Bear, who I mentioned earlier, uh, callback, uh, I convinced him to draw the characters for me. And I said, hey, uh, I know you wanted me to draw earlier, a long time ago. You wanted me to learn how to draw. So in order to convince you to draw these characters for me, how about I draw the, draw the sketches first and then you just redraw them good? And so he's like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So got that out of the way. Um, so I drew the, drew the stuff for, drew the stuff for the, the, the current project, which was called the blue cloth. Uh, it's, it is called the blue cloth. That's what I initially made it. It was initially a comic about three characters, you know, this, the stereotypical trope fighter, the mage and the thief okay. or the rogue. 
And so it still is kind of, it kind of formed from that. It was essentially just a remake of the comic that I had drawn and failed to, failed to actually do. Uh, I just remade it as a visual novel. So yeah, it's got furries. It's got uh human and it's, and it's, it's very gay uh, because now, gay things are cool. To interrupt real if, quick. Yeah. I just want to say, I think it's kind of funny that making a visual novel is easier than making a comic to you. I don't see it on Itch.io. I never really thought of it. You don't see it on Itch.io? The Blue Cloth? Correct. I just, I Wait, typed it in the why search. why don't you see it on Itch.io? I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to type it into search right now. Oh, man. I just ruined this guy's whole day. It's the first one. I don't fucking see it. It's I the see first some one. blue ad thing. It, it doesn't. No. The Blue Cloth. C-L-O-T-H? Yeah. Yeah, I did a search and it came up on Google like the first thing. Yeah. Huh. Like, how are you so bad at search engines? You type I'm... in the exact thing and you can't find it. I don't fucking Get Chad, know. What are you I'm doing? I'm send you this goddamn picture so you can see I'm not being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, had to think about what words I wanted to use there. <laughs> so I finished, produced, I, I, I wrote, directed, produced, and finished this visual novel in in the month of March. And so I was like, wait, I can't use my regular alias for this because Cause you're a coward. if you know anything about great greater furries, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know why? Because the blue cloth is uh, not safe for work. And oh. because you don't have an account or your account is set to safe for work, you can't actually access the blue cloth. So no, you're not. You're not crazy. You're just. You're just a child. Um, oh, <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> so I uh, finished producing this this visual novel in March. I said I can't use my my regular alias uh, that I go on the internet by um, because I don't know how volatile the furry community is, and I only know rumors. And I also know that they're very politically divisive. So if I want to get as many eyes on this project as possible, I need to keep it separate separate from my own personal politics. And so I created a new uh, alias for the blue cloth, and uh, you know I'm on I'm 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 in the whole process of being assimilated into like full furry, uh, uh, whatever it's called furry furriness, uh, you know talking to other furries, uh, visual novel creators and stuff like that. But I made this, uh, visual novel and it's actually doing quite well. Uh, I told my friends about it and they were actually, uh, surprised to know the numbers, which were, uh, pretty good. I, I have at, at the time of recording this moment now, I have 1250 downloads. So a lot of people have read this story or are about to read this story. And I've really only gotten good reviews. In fact, most of the reviews I've received have been like, oh, are you going to continue the story? Like, oh, this was a nice thing. But I initially wrote it as a short short story. Like, it was supposed to be a one and done. You read the short story. It has a nice little flow to it. has a beginning, middle, and climax, uh, quite literally. Um, and, you know, it's... Hey. You know, it's nice, it's a nice sweet little story about, about, uh, learning how to get over, get over yourself and become, 
like more, uh, you know, more have more faith in yourself uh, with your own abilities, you know, as opposed to giving into the weight of the world and uh, expecting and relenting yourself to death. So the the you know it was a nice little short story, and then people are like, "Well, does the main character die?" Like, why do you want to know? It's like, well, all right. So everyone wants me to continue the story, so I'm going to continue the story. Yay! You're going to have your friend do the artwork, or are you going to learn how the artworks? I can't. I'm not going to do the artwork. No. See, one of the reasons why I it got so many downloads and so many people looking at it is because the artwork's actually pretty neat. Um, I, I want to say decent. The, the artwork is pretty neat, but it's also like yards ahead of a lot of the stuff that gets put up. Oh yeah, like it's not just standalone. Okay, it's more like by comparison, it's it's like, oh, what's this one? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's actually it actually looks decent. Um, the art looks good and it draws people's eyes in. Like, I don't know if you you. That thumbnail that you have there, that first that first image you see just in, on this chat, like, does that not draw you in? Like, are you not interested in what that means? Like, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. That's uh, you know. So it brought a lot of people in. A lot of people um, downloaded it. I've had a few people purchase it, which makes me in a which makes me, by my own metrics, a professional uh, vid- visual novel developer correct that, that's so literally make, true yeah if you make money doing something you're professional something so i'm a professional vision novel maker and it happens to be furry vision novels anyway nice to meet you hi <laughs> it's um going way back like like 10 minutes it, it, the idea of like i'm writing these characters it'll be i don't know how to differentiate them with my art well if i make them talking animals that removes a lot of the difficulty right um because my first uh the first book i ever wrote was filled with talking animal people and that was in part the same reason i did it is like i've never written anything like this there's probably going to be a lot of characters it seems like balancing a lot of human characters and attributes and hair colors really kind of difficult how do you keep referring to the same people over and over well if i just make them all different fucking animals i can that's it solves so many issues um, and then I, you know, you're making up your own world, so you don't have to, you can make up your own rules then of the world. And that also solves its own issue as a learning experience. And I think that, I think the book turned out pretty good, um, but it, it had, uh, it had some very utilitarian aspects to it. You know, why I chose the aesthetic I did. And it was largely because I thought it would be easier. Uh, you know, another, another thing that, that um, cartoon, cartoon characters or, and uh, funny animals and furries uh, do that a lot of um, a lot of people downplay or don't really understand is that you can accentuate because furries don't exist in real life. Like there are no human cats, um, but in an animated setting or in a art in a visual setting, uh, having these characters, you can really accentuate certain features of them. Uh, you can really make uh, exaggerated expressions and they, and they come off as almost more authentic than a standard human would. And it, it also doesn't read as, uh, the uncanny valley. Not, not so much. Sometimes, sometimes it still does, but, uh, it doesn't read it as uncanny, uncanny valley too much like the movie cats does per se. Um, sure. 
like the 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 facial expressions are much more exaggerated and more more uh intuitive like it's it's just it it says a lot about a character and it also portrays that character in a in a more easy to digest way that people take for granted and they get they and of, oftentimes won't even look at twice because there's that whole furry word in the front which you know it's kind of sad because some of these furry vision novels i will say have amazing incredible stories that are very heart touch heartwarming uh some very uh technical work being done in these in the in this medium there's some very terrifying uh furry visual novels that that are that they're horror horror uh essentially horror novels uh, they're, and they're actually like legitimately either depressing or or or, or terrifying or, or grotesque in some way and and it's all done with these furries and it's and it's cool because the 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 expressions and stuff like you relate to characters and you say hey I like I like Rams and so you like a Ram like so this is the Ram character and you're like I, I want to know what goes on with him um, there's a specific visual novel I'm talking I'm I'm referencing is called Echo which is essentially it starts off as a as your typical romance uh, dating sim type with you know gay furry characters but very quickly turns itself on its on its head and it becomes about this cursed town that haunts everyone in it and the main character himself isn't it is is very evil and possessed by a very uh malicious ghost uh malicious spirit and so you have a lot of different uh you have a lot of variety of stories that can be told in this medium and unfortunately a lot of people are going to pass them up because they're just not interested or they're afraid of that word the furry word there, there which is, is really stigma. sad like what in like i i don't say this as like a, a as a negative but like there is there is something to the furry culture that if you're not really involved in it the stuff that shows up in the media or in the mainstream like kind of can make you side eye it a bit right either how how people might be communicating or acting or you know some of the artwork is like very explicit um i i follow a uh, very i follow a, a there's a, a furry uh record label basically that's gaining some traction and i i saw it pop up and i was like you know what fucking i'll follow it up on my music on my band twitter and, and see what happens because i'm working on an ep and like technically i could approach these people and release it to them and they have a deep like a growing audience and it would it would find ears the problem is is now it would be associated with with this subgroup which i don't have a huge issue with like on the top of things but like if i wanted to like go to my coworkers, be like yo i released this but you have to go to this label to download it that would raise questions i don't want to answer at work you know like there's there's a certain level of yeah. where the furry fandom to me is very much an internet thing, and um, my involvement with it needs to remain on the internet, which I don't I don't think is a, anybody would have a huge issue with, but it is what it is, right? Like when I tell people I've about my first book, like I don't mention the word furry at all, uh, but if I'm telling people online, I might if I think it will help them find it or make them more interested because it is a market. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not a fairly lucrative one. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a meme for a reason. The the suspiciously wealthy furries control mm-hmm. art. Um, it's it is a meme for a reason. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, quite an interesting space that 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 you have to work in when you're making furry specifically furry media. Uh, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be specifically furry, right? Because, I mean, anyone can enjoy a good story, regardless mm-hmm. of the characters involved. Uh, it's just that there, there is this stigma and there is this, and it's not, and, and it's not like it's a hidden history of the furries. Like, no, it's very overt. It's very, the furry fandom is a very sexual fandom. And that's, yeah. That's just a, that's just the case. That, that's, there's no, there's no tiptoeing around it. It's very sexual. Uh, most of the, most of the art, most of most of the uh, the involvement of furry uh, of furries is sexual in nature. Um, but moving past that, I think is probably one of the probably one of the the best things you could do in terms of really getting yourself into this new type of versioning media. That is really trying to tell and and sell very good stories. So actually, I have like a- on that point, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning that you don't think of visual novels as a game. I yeah, I do not. I want to uh, ask: I th- Do you think of walking simulators as a game? Hmm. Because I want to compare, I, I feel like walking simulators and visual novels both have a stigma of, um, not, not in the same exact way, but there's kind of this thing where if you say that, it immediately changes the context of the conversation if you're talking to quote unquote gamers, where it's like, oh, okay, we have to lower our standards while we talk about this for a minute. But what I find funny is that to me, visual novels are just the non-combat part of a JRPG in the same way that like one of the most popular PS4 games was God of War and that game is like half walking simulator. Like I bounced off of it so hard because so much of the game is just holding up on the left stick while characters talk amongst themselves. Yeah, it's very interesting. I I, I haven't really thought of my position on walking simulators, but I would definitely because I mean there's the whole um the heavy rain a conundrum where is it really a game or is it just an interactive movie? How much, how much of the game are you in control of? Well, I think a lot because heavy, heavy rain does, it does rely on a lot of player input, which I think is, is an important part of the game. There's, there's a technical side of the game there, there, and there's a, there's a technical aspect of being able to play the game. I think if uh, a game is losable by default, um, walking simulators, I don't think have a loss. Most of them don't have like a loss trigger. There's no way to lose a walking simulator. Um, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't play a lot of walking simulators. Uh, visual novels don't have an inherent lose trigger unless you get like a bad ending, but that's not really a bad ending because you specifically chose the wrong path. I would say my vision novel in particular, there are no choices in it's, it's purely a kinetic novel that there's nothing that changes. You can't go through a bad route or you can't choose which side you're going to pick. 
it's 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 its own story and that's how it is and it's and it's very strict in that it's you're you are reading the story of these characters you are not necessarily taking part of it you know i guess um in some regards there's kind of like a sliding scale where there are visual novels that are games and there are visual novels that maybe aren't i get the yeah. the concept of like having a fail state as a qualifier of a game I think I want to say the most, um, the most gamey visual novel I've ever played is Phoenix Wright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever yeah, played those? I've seen playthroughs like the same thing, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's very fascinating to me just how much it pretty much is a visual novel and just these like, you spend most of the game just talking and not actually doing anything. And then there's these periods where it's like, okay, you got all the clues together. Now there's like, a brief section where you use the clues and you want to pick the right options to navigate through and avoid a game over. But people only remember that climactic part and not the 78, 90% of the game. That's just talking to people. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a visual novel, but people get mad when I say that. I would definitely put it in the visual novel field of game media. Um, for all intents and purposes, referring to it as a game is acceptable. Uh, Itch.io doesn't have a specific uh, section for visual novels. They're considered games. You know, most most classifications wouldn't interpret visual novels as a separate form of media. They would just put it in. Uh, this is a video game, uh, meaning it's 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 a program. You click and then you press buttons to move forward. Which I, you know, it could be that 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 could be the definition of a game in and of itself. You know, if if a game play, if if something plays on its own, it's not a game. If something plays due to you pressing buttons, it is a game. In which case, yeah, visual novels are games. Uh, I think it does depend on an independent uh, individual's definition of it and how they would interpret it. I personally would put visual novels under something that is not a game. As an interactive form of media. It just seems Which, like so much know, work. If I want a story, I want to just pick up a book. I don't want to, like, control characters. I don't need to see pictures. Unless I'm reading comic books, in which case I guess I do. I didn't think this argument through I at mean, all. I, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, like, some of the comics that you put up with, I think if you were to get into the visual novel genre, you it would be like a step up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, like, literally, it it, it can be a little more engaging just because the format's different. And, like, a lot of contemporary comic books are just not good. <laughs> like, I had to I had to give up trying to read comics because it was just routine garbage. We're talking about you, Tom King. Another thing that... Vi- yeah. <laughs> Another thing that visual novels do introduce that, that just other forms of media cannot cannot give you um there's multiple aspects of visual novels uh so if you read a so if you read a book you have words and you have your imagination do most of the heavy lifting in terms of 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 imaging this these characters and imaging this world then you have comics which are pictures and words together and you get um you know 
your imagination has to do less of the work because you can see these characters, you see what they look like, and you can see, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. Uh, very Also, comics are very good for action. Visual novels are not very good for action. Very hard to do good action scenes in visual novels because of the required uh, asset production and the intense uh, intensity of oh, you know, programming and making these things. I actually, I want to talk about that because like, there's there's ideas I've had where it's like, okay, I kind of want to make a visual novel. And one of my ideas I've been kicking around in my head is like to do my own version of Star Trek where like my favorite episodes of Star Trek are the ones where they talk and they solve problems by talking. Oh, yeah. But that's not to say that there wouldn't be lasers involved. And I was thinking about like, how do you like how how would I set up an action sequence like when you're being shot at? Do I just have, uh, you know, Kirk character go, oh, a laser and then play a sound effect. And what I was thinking was it should actually be like comic book panels. I Funny you should say that. I have a friend uh, who I, I met don't believe it. Due to. <laughs> all, right, all right. Friend is uh, friend is a <laughs> loose term here. Uh, we 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 know each other uh, and we we talk a lot. And I met him through f- this furry visual novel that I created. I was introduced. I was I was I was uh, invited to a Discord uh, where a bunch of uh, visual, furry visual novel enthusiasts gather and creators, and then I joined another visual no- uh, another Discord that's much more suited towards creators than it is the the enthusiasts. And this guy actually is doing exactly what you're saying. He's putting a comic into his visual novel because he says, "Yeah, there's just no way to do good comic." do good action in visual novels that makes it look convincing and makes it gives it the weight that it's supposed to have. So he's actually programming a comic a series of comic panels into his visual novel for this fight scene that he has. And he actually commissioned me to write a piece of music for it. And I can send that to you. I can send that to you, Chad. It's actually, it's actually pretty cool. If I'm, if I do say so myself, I of course am biased, but, um, Cameron heard it. Yeah, it was actually it, you. You got the action vibe, but it's the kind of thing where if you had to loop while you're reading text, it will not get annoying, which is a hard balance to achieve. Yeah. Um. So I mean, there there's a lot of potential with visual novels. Another thing, right? Completely related to what I just said. Another thing, visual novels add to the equation that comics and books cannot and are just completely unable to is audio and sound effects that draw you into this world. So audio that, that specific music that's specifically made for a visual novel or specifically made to aid a scene in a visual novel, uh, it just adds, it adds so much. And a note, a lot of, uh, a lot of my gripes with a lot of visual novels out there is that they don't have good music or they don't actually put the effort or money into making good music for their visual novel. So that's, I mean, as a musician, that was like the, the number one thing I focused on when making the blue cloth is having good music solid, uh, from the beginning to the end, all the music is very, very indicative of the scene and very, uh, very, emotionally poignant and stuff like that. It's these, these little things all together included with a, a good story. And I think honestly, if we get, uh, you know, if a, if a professional writer, um, 
or someone becomes a professional writer due to these visual novels, you know, you can, I think there's a lot of potential in this genre. And I think it's very untapped and very, very, uh, under, uh, represented in, in media. And honestly, furry visual novels, I think there's a huge future for it. Uh, you know, we just need to get a few more straight furries making visual novels too, so we could get, um, straight people in on it. Well, I don't I, think straight people read. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, my understanding of these is like the, the, the main genre, the main reason people play them is for romance and shipping. Um, so it's like, okay, you know, can can we get, a I guess, a, a higher percentage of horror stuff, thriller stuff, or like lit fiction, um, if someone really wanted to go there with, with a furry aesthetic, which totally possible. Uh it might be cool. I, I man can't imagine a lot there of play is, one. There is due to specifically due to um, the pandemic. There is a lot of new innovative visual novels coming out that are not romance, uh, not dating sims. They're not. They're uh, they're actually some of them are like anti dating sims, like, like concepts that that are that are interesting and, and and profound and something you can really explore in a visual novel setting. Uh, you know, that, that, that are just, there's a lot of potential in the future. And right now, because, because of the fact that a majority of people associate visual novels with dating sims, there's always going to be a market for that, of course. But I really do think that there's going to, there is this market for more, uh, inventive ways of exploring the genre, the exploring the niche. And, uh, you know, it just, it leaves me pretty hopeful. Sure. Like, sure. uh, the, the guy I told you about, um, making, adding the comic, the fighting panel, fighting scene to his, to his visual novel, the comics. His visual novel is actually about, uh, a person who's put into a synthetic body and the, the sort of, am I real? Am I actually me type of, uh, you know, personal conundrums and everything involved with that? in this futuristic sci-fi setting, it's really cool. And, you know, it has been explored in traditional media, but it's it's not been explored yet in visual novels. And I think just adding that element could really bring a lot, a lot of people into it and, you know, really do something new and creative and exciting with the genre. Ah, just... Ooh, it's, look, uh, the future looks bright, guys. The future looks bright, especially for furry visual novels. So what you're saying is see. this new wave of uh, visual novel authors is the real pandemic. Ha! <laughs> I, I can see like the That's idea. That's exactly of, like, you're, what I'm saying. You're reading a book and you get to a really emotional scene. You know, let's say uh, use Game of Thrones as, as an example, right? And uh, Ned Stark's about to get his head cut off. Um, first book. Well, having spoilers. that interact, having that interactive element, and like controlling the character that goes and does it, and you can't progress to the next scene until you kill this character and so they're forcing you to do that like i i could definitely see that um adding a lot of like just emotional weight and, and making you involved because reading a book is a very kind of passive experience right you're just sitting there and you're reading um and so really adding an extra interactivity could be could be really really cool if you got good artwork and, and like you said good sound effects good music oh um, man sound effects you, you are know you just reminded kind of me it's like there's a very hard because talking about what is or isn't a game. I feel like an important part of a game is player agency, 
And that makes writing drama very hard because sometimes you want a protagonist to make the wrong decision to move the plot forward. And it's really hard to make a player intentionally do the wrong thing sometimes. And it's like, uh, oh, shoot, what's that game um, everybody talks about? That, that It's like that war game. I just had it, and now I, the name slips my mind. Like Spec Ops? Oh, yeah, Spec Ops The Line. Um, that's a very interesting story, and it's the kind of thing that I feel like it almost works better in book form. Because there's a part where, like, the big twist is you're bombing some town in the Middle East. And one of the buildings you bomb has a bunch of civilians in it, but they're actually U.S. people. And it's like, we bombed our own people. Oh, no, we're bad guys. And there's, this, like, the the rest of the narrative is based on the consequences of that action. And I've seen people put it on this pedestal where they're just playing a video game and they're just like, you see targets, so you want all the points so you pull the shoot button as much as possible. And it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they made me do this. And then I'll see other people go like that one building's clearly different because there's a bunch of people in there and they don't have guns. But then it's like if you don't shoot, you don't progress through the game. And so it's like, OK, I know I shouldn't shoot them, but it's making me. And now all the characters are overreacting, even though I'm not surprised. And so there's this double edged sword to doing things like that. I I, suppose, yeah. <laughs> I actually um. Yeah, I I I like Detroit Become Human, but my first playthrough, I literally didn't realize I killed off a character, um, because the way that game is structured, you hop around between three or four different characters. One of them, I didn't realize I was getting the bad ending until it would happen. But you're a you're a like a a nanny robot, okay, and there's a part where there's like a the 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 dad and his daughter are having dinner and the daughter says something that upsets the dad. And so he takes her upstairs to beat her. Um, but she, or the dad tells you, um, stay here. And so it's like, okay. And he goes upstairs and you hear like, you hear fighting and, and yelling. And it's like, Oh, this is really dramatic. I've just stand here and listen to this abusive situation. And I thought it was really dramatic like that. But then I'm standing there for a while, and then it just kind of, like, turns into a game over screen where the girl's dead, and then he kills you, and then you don't play as that character anymore. And it's like, oh, apparently you're supposed to break the law by going upstairs, even though he told you not to. But I'm, like, I'm role-playing a robot. Like, I thought I was supposed to stay there and just feel helpless. And so that locks me out of, like, a whole third of the game, and I had to start over and I didn't realize that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I didn't get like a trigger saying like, you have to save the girl. It's just like, how am I supposed to know that I'm supposed to disobey him this one time? Because up to that point, everything he tells you to do is how you progress. Like following his orders is how the chapter proceeds. So it's like this one time the the game wants you, the player, to make the decision to not act like a robot. And it's like, I don't know how to articulate it better to communicate it. But also, I'm like way in the minority. I guess most people say the little girl. And I'm kind of like, I'll, I'll listen to her get beat. I don't know. I'm, I'm open-minded. <laughs> well, I mean, also, like, that... I mean, that could be a dramatic, uh, intense... <clears throat> that could be... A, that... The... Uh, head to cough there. Um, 
that could be a dramatic and intense moment in and of itself. Like that's being forced to listen to for. someone get, <laughs> yeah, the, the, being forced to listen to someone get beat. That's, that's, that's terrible and horribly, uh, like, uh, sympathizing. Like it, it makes you feel as a player or as a, as a, as a receiver of that media. Um, and yeah, there's a, uh, you know, the potential for video games and alternative medias like, uh, visual novels. I won't. I I I won't stop reiterating. It is great. Okay, yeah, I got be, one uh, more idea for a visual novel. Okay. I'm sorry, Chad. You go first. I was just gonna say, like, I know what visual novels are based on just being on the internet and listening to video game podcasts every once in a while. Like, you know, they come up. It'll be interesting if, like, they really creep further and further into like the social zeitgeist. Is like, hey, here's a. D- another kind of video game you can play because like walking simulators really did like there are some really well-known well-renowned ones that people play because they tell a very compelling story and strike a very specific mood that most games do not do and there's clearly yeah, there's like the potential here for this I'm, it'll be interesting what like the first like big big one is where like you walk into a GameStop and someone's talking about it right oh yeah i want a Visual novel adaptation of Dark Dungeons. That <laughs> that classic chick track about how Dungeons and Dragons is satanic. Oh god. I feel like that would work very well in visual novel form. That sounds like it could be pretty fun. I think it would be. Especially if you want to get interactive during the gaming segments. Like when was like, okay, Blackleaf, you must use your thief powers to steal the key. And now you have to choose. Like, I won't steal the key, or I will, and I will take all of the gold. <laughs> like, I think that would be fun to play with. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. I just saw the time. I want to respect your time. And we should probably close up. Do, do you have any, like, closing comments on the blue cloth or the genre? Um, sure. Uh, the genre itself, and I'm talking specifically f- of, uh, furry visual novels because visual novels as a whole, there's a huge, huge amount, uh, and a, a wide variety of media you can consume in that, in that field. I want to talk specifically about furry, uh, particularly gay furry visual, visual novels. Uh, though it started off really rough and, um, very almost, Almost, uh, painfully, uh, anti-normie, right? Um, I think it has developed into something that is very respect, respectable and very, uh, respect, you know, very high in potential and stuff like that. Uh, I'm very bad with words right now, but I think it has developed a lot over this past 15 plus years, uh, and I think it's going to continue to develop. And I'm hoping that my visual novel, if you're 18 or over and you also like, uh, like queer or gay, whatever you want to call it, uh, stories, uh, I, I would say check out my visual novel, The Blue Cloth. It's, uh, it's on itch.io. And, uh, you know, uh, it'd be cool, it'd be cool to get more people to read it, you know, cause I think it's a good story. I'm biased, but I think it's a good story. If not, get the music. The music's really good. I mean, you do get good reviews. I do get a lot of good reviews. I had some weird reviews, too, but mostly good. Even the weird reviews are good. Everyone nice. everyone says, hey, I, I could have done with without the sex scene. 
but it was a good visual. It was a good visual novel. And I say, well, you know what? That's what. That's what. That's why it's a good visual novel. It's because of the sex scene. It wouldn't have been impactful uh. if there wasn't. If it wasn't there, it wouldn't have been as impactful. Plus, I, sex is cool. Like, just get over it. <laughs> Chad. Yes. What's your favorite visual novel? I've never played one and don't really plan on it. All right. All right. I like that. Mine's the Seinfeld one. I keep recommending it to people and no one will play it. Very good choice. I I don't think I know anyone that likes Seinfeld besides me. I like Seinfeld all right. Yay. Why don't you play the Seinfeld visual novel? I would say, because it sounds stupid, I would say 70% of Seinfeld episodes are good. And then there's 30% yeah. that are just irredeemable. <laughs> well, but on the whole, uh, that's a decent track record. No, I, totally. Um, let's go ahead and have a glad space, though. Uh, let's start with Chad. Chad, you got something you're glad about you want to share with everybody? Yeah, I'm listening to a new black metal album. Uh, the album title is The Dread March of Solemn Gods. The band name is... In fucking pronounceable, uh, N-I-N-K-H-A-R-S-A-G. I don't know how to pronounce that, and I'm not even going to try. But the album's got <laughs> a really old school, like, black and death vibe to it. Like, you can tell that they really like dissection because the album cover looks like it could be a dissection album cover. And they, they fucking nail the sound perfectly. It's a really, really strong album in this genre. Uh, and since dissection aren't making music anymore because their lead singer killed himself like 20 years ago... Sweet. Having having more of it feels nice. Like I, I was very excited to listen to this and be like, "Holy shit! This is I haven't heard this sound in a while. I'll, I'll go buy this. It's great." Well, awesome. and can you can you spell that one more time? So the band name is N I N K H A R S A J G. Go ahead and put that into your Duck Duck Go client and listen today. Yeah, if, the Dread March of Solemn Gods. It's on the Black Metal Promotion YouTube channel. Nice. That's that's actually probably a good channel to follow too. Yeah. Yeah, that channel fucking rules. <laughs> um mine is pinball. I like I fell hard into pinball again. I don't know if you, I get easily distracted by like new hobbies and then I'll like tunnel vision focus on them for 5 days. So right now I'm on a hardcore pinball phase and I've been playing this one on Steam. There's a there's a collection called Pinball FX3. Which is kind of like free to play, but they let you demo all the other tables and and stuff before you buy them. I I don't know why I really like pinball. Um, uh, Chad, do you like pinball? Pinball is pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I was playing this one about fishing, and the whole premise is cute because you you get points for catching fish, but after you catch a fish, you want to build up a lie, and there's like a lie meter before you you like turn in the fish and so you get these like point multipliers by having a big enough lie to go with a big fish so that you get even bigger points and that's just very charming to me there's like a there's a lot of like pinball sims out there this one leans more into like fictional tables like there's special effects like there's a star wars one and the atst will like walk over the table or a Millennium Falcon will fly by and shoot lasers. I usually like the actual tables more. And this fishing one is actually based on a real table. So I think that's why it works a little better. 
but I was also playing the Skyrim one and it's like you literally customize your character and get gear and there's like a menu to equip gear while you're playing the pinball. And it's oh, wow. like, you know, there's like a lot going on. Like I could actually fall deep into this if I if I bought some of these. But I've been I've been enjoying Pinball Effects 3 on Steam. Nice. Awesome. What about Chris? I have a glad space. I do. I really no way. do. Um yeah, so I've been babysitting my niece for the past month or so. And, you know, when when you have babies that are, like, one years old, the, the parents are just going to put on, like, some, like, trashy lullaby, like, I love you, you know, like, stuff like ABC, ABCs, you know, this that basic shit music. Um, when I babysit her, I put on, like, funk and jazz and alternative uh really cool music like progressive rock and stuff like that I've, I've i've been playing her some really really cool interesting music and earlier this week my brother texted me um apparently she had been having a fit like unconsolable like crying like angry and there's a song called weird part of the night by lewis cole it is one of the funkiest tunes uh, that's come out in the past five years it's so so good i recommend looking at it looking it up listening to it I'll post a link in a bit, but uh, I play that to her like every day because because it's got like bouncy noises and stuff like that. And they, the guy wears like these gold pants and he's like dancing around really funky like and she really likes it. Apparently she was having a fit. My brother texted me. He's like, yeah, she was having a fit, but I played that that weird song that you play to her and she like immediately stopped, calmed down and started dancing along to the music. Nice. Like, Yeah. It made me really happy. That's, That's cool. a nice moment. Those are the kind of moments you, you can cherish. But, well, wait, I should probably go. Did you? Were you the one that? Okay. Um, that kids' oh, bot version of of WAP. <laughs> that was. Uh, that's another glad space for you. Um, but yeah, we're closing up. I want to wish everybody a, a merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah, and a safe Ramadan. And if you don't believe in Jesus, then fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck me, I guess. Fuck you, Chad. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Bye. And thanks again to Chris. I forgot to say thank you for coming by. Well, thank you. Okay. Yeah, have a lovely night. Goodbye, all. Goodbye.